This is Daniel Fagella, Head of Research at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research. You're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. We are talking about a topic that will never get old when it comes to machine learning, and that is fraud. When it comes to human beings actively trying to fool businesses into allowing them to do things that are against the law or blatantly wrong, a rules-based system is never going to cut it. This is why when we measure AI ROI, we like to look at the financial impact. We also like to look at trends that are what we refer to as inevitable. When we're putting together market research for an enterprise client, we're going to highlight what the impact is, but we're also going to highlight the trains that are not going to stop rolling. And when it comes to financial services or really any sector, fraud and cybersecurity are spaces where AI is an inevitable part of the future because these are adversarial circumstances. Today, we're focusing on anti-money laundering. In the world of banking, and banks might not want you to know this, there is a lot of money changing hands, whether it be bank wires or other kinds of transfers for everything from human trafficking to stolen artwork to funding terrorism. And regulators are more and more eager to crack down on this kind of activity, and financial organizations are more and more responsible to prevent it from happening in the first place. In today's episode, we have a guest who has a long history at the intersection of data technology and financial services, Mr. Bob Gaines. Bob currently heads up some of the financial services market efforts for Samba Nova Systems, a firm in the Bay Area that's raised over a billion dollars. Samba has been on the show many times, so some of you are familiar with Samba. They're working on a number of different sectors. Bob's history includes IBM, Cray Supercomputing, Deep Haven Data Labs, and other firms where, again, He's played at that intersection of financial services and technology. So he brings some perspective as to how this tech has evolved and developed when it comes to AI's impact in finance and also where it's going. We've talked about fraud in the past, but in this episode, we touch in on a theme that we've never talked about before, and that is how is AI being used to not just look at the individual entities that are exchanging funds, but to look at the behavior of the entities around them and the entities that they do business with. This is AI proxying risk in new and interesting ways, and Bob paints a pretty compelling picture for where the future of anti-money laundering is headed. I think it's a compelling one. I think that there's analogies from this episode that extend into essentially anywhere where fraud happens, everything from credit card fraud to account fraud on platforms like Airbnb and beyond, and I think it's a, a useful topic to dive into. So without further ado, let's go ahead and fly into this episode. This is Bob Gaines with Samba Nova here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Bob, today we're going to be diving into the world of anti-money laundering and financial crime. For those of our listeners who've been with us for a long time, this is obviously a huge opportunity area for AI and ML. You've spent your career in finance. Now you're with Samba Nova, who's doing some exciting things here. You're speaking to a lot of customers. When you think at a trend level, Bob, about why ML and kind of anti-money laundering are a bit of a natural fit and why there's more attention here, how do you frame that? Why is this getting hot now? I grew up as a Six Sigma, so to me, everything is about customer requirements. And I'm like, hey, what is the biggest issue that that you guys are facing? And where are you deploying AI or advanced analytics? And I started seeing a pattern specifically in the two big to fail banks. One was, hey, how do we address anti-money laundering and CFT, which is combating uh, financing of terrorism? And I said, well, you know, I thought you guys all have that done. I mean, the, the legacy customers have old rules-based reporting. You're moving to machine learning. And two of them brought up, you know, the biggest problem is we don't have enough training data. 
they said, you know, you want to have like a 50-50 positive negative. We have a 0.1 of true, hey, this is anti-money laundering, and a 99.9 of, hey, has nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so imagine we process tens of millions of transactions a day. We just don't have enough training data. And so one of them said that's why we were looking at more advanced technologies to help us with the data classification process so that we can basically do text generation and create some data to help us train our models. The second thing that they kind of said, and, and I kind of knew this already, was that machine learning suffers from the law of diminishing returns, meaning at a certain point, I can add more and more data and my model's really not going to get that much more accurate. Where in deep learning, where you're using neural networks and I have many more parameters, you know, the more data I have, the more accurate it becomes. But that becomes, you know, very, very challenging. And so those are kind of the two areas that we kind of spoke about. And then just coincidentally, two days ago in the Financial Times, they mentioned that the AML fines have grown to $2.2 billion during 2020, a 3x increase over 2019. And yeah. so you kind of have to think, well, how, you know, all the banks might have been closed for COVID, but apparently the criminals weren't. And yeah. they tend to be more, more agile and finding new ways. And so now a lot of people are saying, look, it used to be about know your customer, but today it's about know your customer's customer. You have to go that second and third degree to find that, that pattern, that anomaly where one company A might be dealing with company B and company B is always dealing with C and C is a known money launderer. So you know, how do we isolate those? And so even though those look like two completely different areas, they are actually tightly intertwined. And how do you help identify the patterns to be able to do that? Because what the regulators want is they want the, the these financial institutions to start leveraging advanced technology to help address this. Meaning if they're just sitting still thinking, oh, I'm just going to hang with my old rules base, I think they're going to come down very hard on them. Big time. Okay, got it. If, if you don't mind, I'd love to nutshell some of what you've just said, because there's a lot here on the trend side, Bob, that you mentioned. One thing, which is a big deal in the UK, and I don't know the numbers in the States, but from what you're saying, fines... A 3x is safe to say a skyrocket, right? I mean, it's not like the revenue of these banks 3x in the same time period. They're taking a pretty significant hit on this. And when the cats are away, the mice will play. You know, COVID strikes, these smaller bands of criminals are maybe a little bit more digitally nimble to start leveraging new tools, but probably plenty of AI themselves, in order to execute on their nefarious activities. And the banks might be a bit slower. And so consequently, more stuff slip through the cracks. They're paying the price for that. There is also sort of the natural defensiveness of a big bank, right? A, a, an organization that's 200 years old is, is normally going to be focusing on investing more in defense. But to your point, and actually this is interesting, and I don't think it's ever been brought up on the show directly, it feels like there's also a momentum around AI adoption from compliance that helps to push it forward. Now, we've always seen vendors attach themselves to compliance and regulatory issues because it's such a great excuse for an enterprise to spend. But also, there's this logistical concern where if if the top six, 
you know, banks in the U.S. are starting to use these advanced technologies and they are preventing these terrible financial crimes, the funding of terrorist activity or, you know, human trafficking, then all of a sudden the regulators are going to look to the folks below them and say, it's no longer acceptable that you have this rate of fraud. We want you to level up too. So it feels like there's almost a rising tide element here that adds more pressure. Without a doubt. In fact, uh, there was a report from Deloitte that basically said, look, leading organizations are realizing that you can't just do a check the box compliance. The regulators will come down hard on you. They want to see innovation of you helping to identify and address this. They want a forward looking solution for clients. So that's why, you know, you just can't hang on these legacy systems. You've got to move forward. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's why the uh, fines have been increased because maybe the regulators were getting the impression that it wasn't painful enough for them. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, you know, every vendor that we'll ever talk to and bring on the show is always going to say, oh, here's why you need to adopt this technology now. But it's, it's very rare. And of course, you know, I, I, take all that with a grain of salt, but it is very rare where the actual regulatory environment really does put some fire under the feet of companies to really move and really adopt and adapt. So let's get into the use cases here now that we've got a sense of trends and what you're seeing from your customers. At a conceptual level, you know, I'm, I'm going to really enjoy getting into KYCC in this episode because we've never covered that facet of kind of fraud prevention on the program. But let's just talk AML. When you explain where ML fits into AML, and why it works as a use case. How do you describe it to kind of business leaders? So in a business leader, which, what machine learning is, is basically you train the model to identify a pattern, and it's basically during inference, an if-then statement. Oh, if you see something, do something. So you know, machine learning has always done very well in fraud. Bank's one of the first people to adopt that you know, in areas. But so if you think about it, Walk me through the training piece. One, I have the law of diminishing returns, but more importantly, and actually two organizations brought this up, the amount of training data is just not sufficient to address anti-money laundering, meaning that if you looked at the pool of transactions, there are tens of millions a day, but a very small percent per month or per quarter are actually AML. So you're, you have 0.1% that are, shall we say, positives, and 99.9 that are, yeah. are negative. Yeah. And so by having that wide disparity, you're going to lead into some model creep over time, meaning that median and those standard deviations might shift right or left. But if I don't have enough data with them, you know, I run, I can't keep running my, I can't keep retraining my models like I want to. Yeah. The yeah. second piece, which Deloitte brought up, is if I try to keep throwing data into it, I may result into an overfitting thing that it results into bias. And, you know, where, oh, all anti-money laundering is in, you know, specific zip codes with, you know, which could make it look like you're discriminating about, you know, certain businesses based off their geography. Yeah, sure, sure. Yep. And so all of these institutions are now looking for, you know, if you think about, hey, I need a solution that helps me up-level my game, improve my accuracy, you know, in AML, something that can help me, you know, generate more synthetic data to help me train my models more accurately, something that will help me, you know, classify my data as more than just the obvious transactions that I have in structured format. 
something that will help me with named entity recognition. That's really important with KYC and how that relates back to AML because you want to find that level C company that has a propensity for money laundering. And who who are the, who are their customers' customers? Yeah. Is really what you're trying to do. And then, you know, AMLs, hey, is international. I have how to be able to handle multiple languages and do translation at the same time. And then, you know, Accenture came out with a report saying that if auditors and people in the compliance department had the ability to do semantic search, that they, their studies have shown a two to three hundred percent productivity increase. Because imagine if you had an auditor who could actually search for what he was possibly looking for versus going through legacy reports. Well, all of those problems I discussed can be solved with newer deep learning models known as natural language processing. And as you mentioned earlier, NLP for short is dominant in the uh, financial industry. Yeah, it grew up in the chatbot area, but now it's really moved over into the fraud, the know your customer, the AML, CFT arenas, because you know, if you think about what does it really do, it helps me uh, during training, pattern anomaly detection, and then inference, error correction, automated error correction at scale. That's essentially what you're trying to do. And unlike machine learning, doesn't suffer from the law of diminishing returns. So my accuracy will be increased. And that's kind of where we help help customers. It's tough to do NLP. NLP is big. You hear, you know, models that have hundreds of millions of parameters. Yeah, GPT-3 and some of these other things are enormous, right? Even the GPT-3 is 175 billion parameters, which very few organizations could ever, ever come to close to. Yeah, in the next 10 years anyway, or the next five years. Or well, and, and even like, you know, BERT, you know, or BERT Large. I mean, BERT Large has 350 million parameters and can take days and days to run. You know, and they now want to move to GPT and you know, now you're talking months. How do you accelerate that process? How do Got you, it. you want to make it easy to read? If you can't retrain your models, you're going to suffer from bias. You're going to suffer from model creep. That's like putting an algo trading strategy in place and not testing, you know, faster to fail. You just can't do that. There's a, so. a, a lot to sum up here on the AML side, and, and we are going to get into KYCC because it, it is a cool facet of where this technology is headed, and I do want to unpack that with you. A few things, I, you know, certainly not all NLP is based in deep learning. There's plenty of NLP approaches that are relatively simple, but, you know, the, the much more robust, super complex, you know, the most uh, cutting edge, cool guy NLP for very open-ended unstructured information is, is, is almost all certainly some level of deep learning. So uh, there's something there. In terms of you know, diminishing returns, deep learning is not immune to it, but but certainly we can get past some of the hurdles that we can get past with, with machine learning and, and take things to potentially a new level. What you're getting at is that so many of these individual instances of laundering are so sparse and so far in between that there might not be enough in common. Sure, ML might be able to get us to better false positives, better false negatives, just better than pure rules, right? Machine learning might be able to get us there. But if we want to dial that up even one more level, we've got to take things to another level. And you brought up a few things that we can poke into here, Bob, that I, I don't think we've covered on the show. One of them was around, you actually brought up translation, which is really interesting because if I'm 
if I'm a company and I'm looking for certain kinds of language in contracts, a certain kind of language in certain communication patterns, a certain kind of language on somebody's website or somebody's about page or some, somebody's social media, whatever the case may be, if I figure out those trends and patterns, yeah, it's going to be tough to pick it up in English and Arabic and French and whatever else I'm, I'm working on. We're going to need to be able to translate that stuff and, and drink it up uh, in real time. So there's this ability for translation to stick our tendrils farther down the channel of activity to find more relevant information that might flag fraud. That's that's one thing you're articulating. The second part of these tendrils going deeper down, you know, again, I think people think AML, Bob, and they just think, okay, who sent the money? Who received the money? How much was the payment? You know, from what country did it come from? That kind of stuff. But what you're talking about, Bob, is stuff that's farther underneath these transactions. And translation's one part to get farther down, but also knowing your customer's customer is a farther way to get down. Are there any other elements of these sort of tendrils going below the transaction that we should talk about that are going to be relevant for finance leaders? Well, the, the biggest area is, you know, you, you want to understand there's many, many documents inside of uh, compliance. So you really want document classification and form understanding of they're in multiple languages. You've got to have the translation to be able to handle that. You, yep. And you know, only the newest, largest models like GPT, you don't have to have GPT-3 with 175 billion parameters. It takes you years to run. But you know, you need GPT to be able to do some level of translation versus creating individual models. Oh, here's one for Spanish. Here's one for French. Here's one for Hindu. No, I need one model that can you know, dynamically switch on the, on the fly based off of what that is saying and you know so you know the translation is a key part but what you're really looking for and which drives kycc and that's why it's not just kyc anymore yeah and is named entity recognition okay what are the shell companies that are related to this entity that might be money laundering normal traditional machine learning oh yeah if you want to fool it change the spelling that's all you have to do Deep learning and um, NLP, that's really not going to, to happen because it's going to look at the, the contextual information for, you know, for that information. Just you know, use Google Docs and it basically does text generation, suggests what you're going to type and you just have to tab and it will fill it out for you. That's basically kind of what you're doing. That's all a natural language processing model that's driving those Google Docs that gives you that suggestion or when you you hit the little translation button on your iphone That's yeah That's yeah the process and it is cool to see this stuff again extending beyond the transaction itself beyond the information that we might have in front of us when we see this amount of dollars go from here to there from this person to this person to go far underneath those entities to the entities that they do business with and, and to figure out bob through nlp and through ai uh, potentially many other sources to figure out who this entity does business with, right? It's not self-evident. You can't go on emerge.com and figure out everybody who's ever paid us in the last two years. Um, in fact, there's, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if that's, uh, there's like legal ways of doing that, but it sounds like, you know, as a financial institution, you have to be able to come up with proxies to find that. Talk a little bit about this KYCC idea. Talk a little bit about where that comes up. In other words, I'm a fraud analyst. I'm looking at a number of transactions. Is there going to be a way to flag a transaction when our AI crawls underneath that entity to the people they do business 
And let's say that their portfolio, let's say everybody's portfolio of who they do business with, everybody's customer's customer, right? Every, every CC has some score from zero, which is like there's almost no percent chance that they're you know, funding terrorism, to you know, 100, which is like this is definitely buying missiles or buying human beings to ship them across the, yes. you know, the ocean. So probably what happens is we get some proxy number based on NLP that crawls underneath the entity that's sending the money, and then that factors into a fraud analyst decision about how far that they investigate. But you tell me, that's just my assumption, where does that come up as a relevant data point to help prevent this fraud. Well, so you have to think, well, when I'm doing machine learning or even deep learning, the inference thing, those are more real-time decisions. Now, I can score it, and you could basically set a rule, say, hey, if this is 70% more, I'm going to flag this right away so that it can be looked at. The other underlying thing is now look at it from a, you know, an auditor perspective or an inspector perspective. He, he needs to be able to do semantic search, say, okay, look, let me pull up some of their contracts that they've done, you know, so I can physically see. Yeah, hey, we're moving hundred that we're moving a hundred thousand dollars over to this one company who then is, you know, spending fifty thousand to one vendor that moves back over to this one area. You know, they're going to have to have some facts. You just can't have a black box score saying, "Oh, it's seventy-eight. Sorry, you, you know, we're going to flag you for it." You know, it has to then. You know, think of this as augmented intelligence. You're basically now pulling it aside. You're telling an auditor, hey, you need to investigate this. And oh, by the way, we've already classified a lot of the docs. We've already, you know, which enables semantic search. We're giving you the tools to speed your investigation. You're not just, you know, claiming some guy's a money launderer. So, certainly not. Um, certainly not. Yeah. So, so to your point, and this is great for the listeners, we're not only going to flag things based on the signals that might undergird our decisions about know your customer's customer or, or the behavior of that entity themselves, but we're also going to be able to enable search that will pull up contracts, pull up, and, and this is this is now document search and discovery. This is a, a whole a whole category of of, uh, of applications unto itself. We've had dozens and dozens of those firms on the show as well. But it sounds like for the listeners. It's important to know that, sure, the transaction will be scored. A lot of things undergirding the companies involved in the transaction will be scored. And then the workflow and the investigation of the agent themselves needs to be augmented as well. And all of that needs a level up in order to get to that next level of fraud prevention from, from the way you're articulating it. Absolutely. And you have to think that the bulk of these documents are unstructured. Are you going to really waste time trying to figure out how to get them to neat rows and columns? Not going to happen. No, let the model understand potential patterns as you get more and more mature with it. It, it. The model might shift. You might find a new pattern you didn't know that existed. And honestly, that is the gold from deep learning. Help me discover those hidden patterns that I was not keenly aware. There is no human person or even a database that can sit there and say, hey, let's go search. 300 million documents of all the transactions that we've done to find the needle in the haystack type stuff. It would just, it's not going to be feasible. That's why we start leveraging advanced technology such as artificial intelligence, natural processing, computer vision, you know, that whole thing, you know, think of this as just fancy text analytics. Yeah. You know, you know if AI scares you, Hey, this is just really smart text analytics. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, no matter what you call it, it's something that's going to apply pressure to the financial services business. And I think some people might be intimidated by the, the term AI or deep learning, but I think they're probably more intimidated by 
you know, the consequences of, of this stuff. Maybe in, in closing here, Bob, I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, for the, the financial folks tuned in, or even just anybody who's interested in workflow impact. A lot of our focus here is, is you may have heard with your other Samba Nova colleagues, you know, is the return on investment of AI and the workflow impact of AI. We're, we're really generally not pumping out to an audience of people that write Python. They're trying to make business decisions. When we're trying to get them to click and see how are my workflows going to change you know, the things you've articulated have led me to believe sort of jives with what we've heard in other episodes on some level, but there's been some great detail here. On, on the one hand, the transactions themselves might be flagged with new kinds of data that we could pull in based on every individual transaction and the people involved, all, all the way down to know your customer's customer. And the interface with which our fraud analyst is going to operate also might be leveled up to the point where search capabilities or the notifications that they get are going to be enhanced and augmented by AI as well. Is there anything you would add to that when we try to paint a mental picture about what this transformation looks like for real business people? Take your current way you work. Think of it as a workflow, like a doc, like a factory of documents. Document factory and what you normally do, and before it was kind of disjointed. You know, yeah, you had some tools that did certain things here and there. We're not going to replace what we're going to do is make the tools smarter. So imagine, hey, I have documents or data coming in. I read them in via standard API thing. So this deep learning model like snaps in place. So it's API in, and when I'm running these models, it's API out. I'm not, I don't really want to change too much. What I want to do is make my current workflow smarter. I want to make my current models more accurate. And so by doing that, I can increase my level of automation because I'm not dealing with the manual exception process all the time, which is very common in the compliance area. It's like normal process. Oh, this is standard AML. Let's go put it in this basket over here. Let's let auditor A, you know, get to it. And to automate that process, you have to have intelligence first. So this is kind of like that, that step. How do I detect those patterns how do and now if i know what the patterns are and now i can automate the process of how i address those hey any score over 70 will move over here any low score will be moved to some lower level intern who would just keep an eye for other potential transactions like you know hey they're on the the warning list or something you know however you want to handle it but you know, can't automate that workflow until you have the intelligence and that's kind of what what the the visionary firms are now trying to implement. Big time. Okay, and, cool. the, and the returns are are huge. I mean, from a productivity perspective, imagine allowing your existing auditors a two to three hundred percent increase in productivity, according to Accenture, just by having semantic search, just from that one little piece. So now I don't have to hire more people because I can't find them in the first place. I'm automating the process. Now I have some metrics that I can make some intelligent decisions like, you know what, where should I spend some money because I want to reduce the fines. The fines are not small. You know, 2.2 billion in, in just the UK, that, that was big deal. in one year. Pretty, yep. Yeah, very expensive. These are big dollar mistakes. You know, you, you know no one puts in their, their general ledger, hey, let's budget to... Let's budget four hundred million dollars for money and fraud anti-compliance fines. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's just carve out half a B for that. Not not a realistic thing. Certainly something people want to uh, defend against. And and Bob, I think 
as you and I have talked about in you know our previous interactions together in addition to this interview, it's one of these rare areas where the pressure and the heat to adopt is much more than simply a potential competitive advantage. It's really a regulatory requirement. So I, I, what I appreciate about today's interview is going deeper under AML in terms of the problems you're seeing with the biggest, some of the biggest banks in the country, and also making that a visual image for the listener as to where transformation is going to happen and what it's going to look like when it happens, because we do like to make things visual for the folks who are tuned in. So hopefully for those of you who are tuned in, no matter what industry you're in, the workflow understanding was helpful here. Bob, I know that's all we have for time, but I sincerely appreciate you being able to join us. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks. Good day. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to you, our listener, for staying tuned in. If you've liked this episode, we have a whole nother podcast focused on financial services. It is called, and you would have never guessed this, the AI and Financial Services Podcast. We have a whole nother slew of listeners that are focused specifically on use cases, trends, and ROI of AI in banking, insurance, and wealth management. If you want to know how AI is impacting the financial services world, we touch a little bit on insurance as well, then go search for the AI in Financial Services podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe there as well. We'd love to have you as a listener on the AI and FinServe show. There's a whole nother slew of episodes we're going to be kicking out throughout 2022 about financial services use cases, and fraud is going to be high up on the list. So make sure to be subscribed there as well if you've enjoyed today's episode. I appreciate Bob for being able to join us, and I appreciate you, our listener, for being here with us. This episode was brought to you by SambaNova. If you want to know more about reaching Emerge's global executive audience, with your AI products or services, you can go to emerj.com slash AD1. It's AD like advertise and then the number one. That's all for this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. I look forward to catching you on the next one here on the AI and Business Podcast. <laughs>